This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everybody. Elon here. We've got a brand new offering for you on our Keeping Carlson feed. I think you guys are going to like it. This is a show that we are calling Clipping Carlson. We have a lot of shows on the Keeping Carlson network, both with on our main feed with the main Keeping Carlson show and Short Shifts, also Dave Benton's Stream Scheme and John and Marcus's Stat Attack. And I imagine a lot of people don't have time to listen to all the different content that we put out. So we thought it'd be fun to just throw out every Saturday a quick like less than 20 minute recap of some of the best clips from the past week in case you missed something and we want everyone to be able to hear all the cool stuff we're putting out so we're calling it Clipping Carlson and here is the first ever episode I really hope you like it a quick note that already one of the clips is a little bit out of date because Ben and Lewis talked about Dylan Cousins taking over for Jack Eichel on the top line now Cousins is injured so I uh, will have to uh, wait for Sunday's episode and Brian and I will dig into what's currently going on on Buffalo with Eichel now out long term. But anyways, enjoy the show. Thanks so much to Julian Paquette for putting it together and hosting. And definitely we want to hear what you think. So tweet us at Keeping Carlson. Give us your feedback. Hello, everyone, and welcome to your Keeping Carlson highlights of the week. We know some of you are busy and, unfortunately, don't have time every week to listen to all the amazing advice you can find here on the Keeping Carlson Network. So we'll provide you every week with the very best of what you can find on all shows throughout this network. I'm your host, Julien Paquette, and let's get to it. This has been the week of the goalie. The short shifts guy, Ben and Lewis, took a break on Thursday. Instead, Elon interviewed William Nadeau, the goalie expert of the Keeping Carlson family. Together, they did a mid-season update of the small goalie sport. For me, it was a much-required listen, because, as we know, goalies are voodoo. William brought us his, uh, his expert opinion on the situation in front of the Nets for the Islanders. Like, Varlamov has had such a good year. He's 12-4-3 with a 9.29 save percentage. He's played 19 games this year, which is amongst the top. The highest is 21 games. So I, I think a lot of people would be wondering why you don't have him higher. And I imagine the reason is just because you have so much faith in Ilya Sorokin, who, to be fair, at the start of the year wasn't playing much. But recently, it's gotten a little bit closer to 50-50. So is your expectation that the Islanders are just going to go 50-50 rest of the way? and both of these guys are going to be so good that even as just a tandem goalie, they're worth having in Tier 4 above. I guess we'll get to the guys you have them above. Yeah, and maybe like uh, Merzlikens or Corpusalo last year, I mean, when they play, you know they will give you a good performance. For those wondering, William has a clear opinion on who should be the starter in Long Island. My choice would be Sorokin, but I mean, how can't you consider Varlamov with how he's played this year? 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, in fantasy, I think I would still go Varlamov just because it seems like he has Trotz's trust, though. It's, I think this next few weeks will be very interesting to see how the Islanders goalies are deployed. On the main Sunday show, the guys went through all 31 teams of the league and provided their biggest fantasy surprises so far. This uh, gave an opportunity for Brian to have a pretty spicy take about one of the best fantasy goalies throughout the year. But my biggest surprise, Elon, this is a this is a very quiet hidden surprise because Philip Grubauer has a 921 save percentage. Yeah. So on one hand, that's really surprising how great he's been. But the secret surprise beneath that is that he's actually looked pretty bad under the hood. Oh like come on! Yeah, no, I'm gonna go there. He has a negative uh, Delta Fenwick save percentage, which means he's underperforming what an average goalie would be doing in his position. Colorado actually protects their goalie fourth best in the league at five on five, going by expected goals against per 60 minutes. And the only reason that Grubauer has this 921 save percentage is because he has been lights out on the penalty kill, which we know is not something we should ever get accustomed to being like to taking for granted and thinking it's going to last. That is something that varies a whole lot. Through the course of the season, you look at Grubauer's five-on-five numbers, which is where we really should be looking to find out exactly how he's doing. Grubauer ranks 31st out of 38 regular goalies in the league this year in five-on-five save percentage. That's not a fancy stat, Elon. That's just saying at five-on-five, the state of the game that you play the most time at, he ranks 31st out of 38 regular goalies. And you can imagine... The goalies below him also are very bad if I were to rhyme them off. So Philip Grubauer, I don't know, man, looking like yeah, like great position to pick up a lot of wins, but it seems like it could be a house of cards awaiting the fall. Good. Lucky for him that Francis is not around to challenge. Okay, but how was Grubauer last year in 5-on-5 save percentage in the year before, right? Like, I mean, this is a very small sample size. And yeah, maybe he's not doing as great at 5-on-5, but you can't just, like, take away his shorthanded success and be like, whatever, that's not sustainable. Like, he's obviously making up for it and having a great year overall. So, I mean, it's I'm not going to be like, wow, Grubauer, you've stunk this year. Like, I think overall he's doing very good, and it's it's harder to do well shorthanded. So I know it's, like, maybe not as sustainable to keep— It's also more random. Like, you can be a bad goalie and do really well on the penalty kill because it's just, it's like, you're talking about small sample at five on five. It's, it's minuscule sample on the, uh, on the penalty kill. I know, but I'm just saying it's harder. So, like, I think we're talking about two different things. There's one thing about trying to predict what's going to happen in the future versus, like, just giving credit. Like, if someone is doing amazing on the penalty kill, you have to be like, good for you. You've done amazing yeah, on the penalty the kill. but at the same time, if, the, if their high save percentage is based on something that you can't expect to sustain, it's like if a player, this is the equivalent of a player shooting 30% at even strength. Their goals aren't going to keep coming yeah. the way they're coming. So, Grubauer's saves are not going to keep coming the way they're coming. That's what. That's all I'm saying. So is Grubar good or bad? Good thing we had William Nadeau this week to provide a second opinion. Yeah, I'm actually curious, like, Grubauer is someone I feel like, well, I guess it depends on your league format, right? But are you not so into him? Because it seems like he's, like, in such a perfect situation, similar to Vasilevsky, like, not saying he's as good. But Grubauer's got a 12-7 and record, 9-17 save percentage, and he plays all the time. So I guess depending on your format, maybe you have him higher if volume is counted more. But, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, exactly. I think for him, it's the perfect situation. Maybe not the most talented goalie. I mean, you put Ilya Sorokin in this position and I think he, they could be two very different goalies. He is pretty good. I'm anxious to see, you know, uh, I, I'm looking forward to, to see what could happen when Franzouz is back. But 
I mean, the news are pretty slow to come for him, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, the, the the situation is just so perfect, and he's been very good this year too. I mean, uh, uh, almost five goals save above average, nine seventeen save percentages, be behind a very good like we know a Colorado Avalanche team. So I mean, how can we put him low? So staying with goalies, William had a chance to update a stake uh, that caught a lot of attention during the offseason about Kevin Lankinen, who he predicted before pretty much everyone else that would be the main guy in Chicago by the end of the season. And then Kevin Lankinen, time for you to do a little bit of a victory lap. Like, or is it, right? Like, if you would have come on like a month ago, you would have just been showered with praise about how smart you were to project Lankinen to do well. But if you look more recently, he just came off a really rough start against the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, before that he had a good game against Tampa. Then he's had lots of good games this season against Detroit. But uh, when he plays tougher teams, it doesn't seem like he's been doing as well. He had a couple rough games against Columbus and Carolina last week. So is Lankinen maybe riding high numbers from his games against Detroit? or do you think that this is a goalie that could actually be relied upon in fantasy at this point like you're having him in the same tier as Sergei Bobrovsky and Elvis Merzlikens who you've said really good things about is Lankton really that good yeah I think he is uh, again uh, I take you back to our last episode when we talked about how uh, I saw him at the world championship and he was Very, very good. The backbone of that Finland team who won the gold and uh, that Finland team who like beat the likes of the Canada with uh, the McDavid's and, and companies and Russia with the Nikita Kucherov and company. So, you know, he can be good uh, in front of uh, good uh, competition. And, you know, 919 safe percentages in uh, 17 games not too shabby. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's good. And I really think he's the guy in Chicago. Again, the, the, the important part there is in Chicago. So, well, is, are they the real deal? I don't know, but I think Lankinen is. And maybe, you know, like a Jonathan Bernier last year, he can make you uh, a lot of saves. I don't know about the wins, if they'll sustain, but I think the saves will be there. He's a good goalie, can be good when, you know, he faces 40, 45 shots. He did it a lot in the league in Finland, like I said, in the World Championship and now in Chicago. William believes in Lankinen, but he still provided us a little bit of healthy skepticism. In Chicago, He's the guy, but if you compare him to the goalie, he have the same numbers with this season. Yeah, I would trade him too. I mean, uh, I had questions. Uh, should I trade Lankinen for Jordan Bennington? For sure, I would do that. So, I mean, it depends... It depends on what you can have, that's for sure. But if you can sell him high for a Bennington, a Varlamov, well, maybe course. even a Sorokin, I-, I would do that, yeah. The next clip comes from the Stat Attack, a podcast dedicated to the cuckoo, even if you're not a cuckoo participant, there's still pretty good advice you can find. Like this week, uh, there was an interview with Dustin Howe, who's in first place in tier one of the cuckoo, which is, as we know, the toughest league in the world. We can always learn from the best, and Dustin provided us insight on how he approaches streaming. Of course, he's talking about the cuckoo. So, in this league, you're limited to four ads a week. Important to remember when listening to what follows. Dustin, can you tell me what your average week looks like in not just in the Cup but in fantasy in general? So 
at what stage of the week do you start looking maybe at the following week? Do you tend to use one or two moves early in the week with the intention of saving one or two for the weekend? Or how does your Monday to Sunday look on an average week? I think it depends on, uh, it depends on a lot. Depends on how I'm doing that week. I would say in tier one, more so than not, I am using all my ads for the current week and not looking forward to the next week uh, until I've definitely gotten in the bag. Uh, I've had I've had a couple weeks where I had a big lead going into the weekend, and and even then I'm I'm apprehensive about what could potentially happen if my players start to slump over the busy Saturday. Uh, so so generally I'm not looking forward to the next week until Sunday, uh, at which point I like to use probably maybe two or three of my four ads on Sunday night. Uh, I'll just look forward to the week and I'll get it done and I'll maximize my roster the way that I like it. And then I can take a bit of a breather uh, going into the uh, back half of the week. Of course, if we're talking about streaming, we got to talk about the stream scheme hosted by Dave Bedden. This week, he suggests to pick up a uh, kind of a forgotten players in, in Bangers League. A name that's not always uh, appreciated by Oilers fan, mostly because of his contract. And for my last Defender streamer this week, I'm calling an old friend out of retirement. He's busting out the cane and limping out there on the ice. It's Mr. Blocks himself, Chris Russell of the Edmonton Oilers. Now, before you turn off the podcast, hear me out, all right? Now, I'll be the first one to admit, Chris Russell certainly isn't the blocking savant that he once was, and his minutes are much smaller these days. There's no doubt about that. But he's still no slouch when it comes to putting up proofs, and he can still luck into an assist with the best of them. Now, does the fact that he have three points in his last two games mean that he's not going to get us any points? Probably, but come on. He's got three games against the Senator this week. Four games total. Can't stress that enough. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here, people. A lot of games plus off day games plus bad opponents equals streamable players. It's like the Pythagorean theory, but it's more like the Streamagami theory. It makes it sound like uh, Streamagami was an old philosopher or something like that. Unfortunately, Russell ended up missing Friday's game against the Senators, and you only got the rare managers who own him four blocks, one hit, and three shots during the two games he played this week. Up next, a segment of the short shifts with Ben and Lewis that uh, Jack Eichel owners might want to listen to now that uh, we're not quite sure how long his injury is going to last. Uh, <laughs> Lewis, we're going to hop right into the injuries and outries section of our show because today was kind of a crazy day for injuries. We're going to start in Buffalo, where we learned today that Jack Eichel could be out longer term with a neck injury. To start, we saw Dylan Cousins hop up onto the top line, playing between Taylor Hall and Sam Reinhart. He's already in on the scoring. He has one assist so far as we record tonight. Um, on the top power play, replacing Eichel, we have Rasmus Ristolainen. in it. So it's a double Rasmai situation on power play one in Boston with Eichel out. Um, obviously, Ristolainen is probably owned in most leagues right now. But I think that Dylan Cousins becomes something of an interesting name. Do you think that he's streamable now in 12 or 14 team leagues here, Lewis? Yeah, I think he might be interesting. Obviously, those are a couple quality line mates. But again, you know, Buffalo's scoring has been so erratic. Are they going to be able to put up, you know, decent goal totals against goalies who are not fading out like Carter Hart so far this season? 
It might be worth a look. I would keep an eye on him. I doubt there's going to be a bunch of people chomping at the bit to go out and grab Cousins. Um, but, you know, if you've got him on your radar uh, and you see him play a couple more games, get lots of ice time. I do worry a little bit about not being on that power play. Interesting, too, that Jeff Skinner, you know, even with Eichel out, cannot crack that top five for the power play. But, you know, I, I, I'm lukewarm on Cousins. I think it's an interesting spot, but I wonder if we won't see a few different combinations before Kruger settles on something that he likes. I wonder. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would expect. I mean, I assume that Jeff Skinner is nowhere close to power play one. Like I would think based on what we've seen from Buffalo, I, I just get the impression that Ralph Kruger has Jeff Skinner at the bottom of every single list he's ever written. Um, so, uh, you know, I would have maybe thought Dylan Cousins or maybe Eric Stahl get a shot there. But yeah, I think that it's interesting. It's an interesting spot for Risto and... I'm with you. It's it's tough to trust anybody in Buffalo, given what we've seen from that squad so far. For our last segment this week, we have an interesting side bet between Elon and Brian regarding Evgeny Dadunov from the Ottawa Senators. He came to Ottawa with a lot to prove. And at five on five, he's slipped a little, but he's still on the top power play. And he's just not seeing anything happen. No goals on 16 shots that he's taken when over the last couple seasons, you could count on him to score 20% of the time. So like maybe three power play goals would have been fair. He also has just one assist. His, his points participation is like in the dumpster, uh, 12.5%, which is laughably low for a forward on the power play. For him on the power play, you would hope for like 50% points participation. So I honestly think that he can do better, like not a whole lot better, but I think he can probably get at least to a 50-point pace compared no. to the current 28-point uh, pace. Uh, I'll bet you on that for sure. Okay. Because like I think we were seeing so many Put other players do it. If you think that he's going to have a 50-point pace moving forward, I definitely yeah. disagree. I think like all these guys that I mentioned before, like Batherson, Norris, Stutzler, they're all like better than him at this point and like you know i don't know i just don't see it happening i know you're saying that he is not getting as many of his shots going in on the power play or he's not having a high ipp uh so i guess we'll yeah. see but i would be surprised just seeing some really poor variants on the power play and so i i, I think yeah it's, I, but i don't you think it's also kind of likely that he gets bumped from that top power play at some point if he continues to like yeah you're saying he's taken all these shots nothing's gone in maybe like the coach is saying huh, maybe you're not as good at shooting i don't know like we'll see what happens here's another one zero secondary assists at five on five so he has hasn't gotten any any bonus points any sure. so yeah his one point in his last nine games maybe convert that to two or three points <laughs> over nine games okay so you and i now have a bet dad in a 50 point pace over the rest of the season i will take the over that is all for this edition of the keeping carlson highlights hope you liked it and i invite you of course to listen to the whole shows so So that's the Keeping Carlson main show and the stream scheme every Sundays, the Stat Attack show on Mondays, and two times the short shifts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Have a great week, everyone.